Give the Lord a hand clap. Father, we magnify you. We glorify you. Nothing compares to the promises we have in you. We glorify your name all across this building. We lift you up. Stir every heart. Touch every life right now, Father. Whatever condition we came in, Father, we don't have to leave that way. Standing in your presence, everything changes. Everything changes. So, Father, we magnify you. We glorify you. We give you praise. We give you glory. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. We thank you. We glorify you. We thank you, Father. My soul is shouting, Father, though it's silent in the room. 
inside, Father, there's a shout. There's a shout of praise, Father. I thank you. I glorify you. We give you praise. Yet you do not know the least thing about what may happen tomorrow. What is the nature of your life? You are really but a wisp of vapor, a puff of smoke, a mist that is visible for a little while and then disappears into thin air. You ought to instead to say, if the Lord is willing, we shall live and we shall do this or that thing. But as it is, you boast falsely in your presumption and your self-conceit. All such boasting is wrong. So any person who knows what is right to do but does not do it, to him it is a sin. I was uh, grinning from ear to ear when we were taking up offering today and Mr. Tracy was talking because he was trampling all over today's message. But the beauty of that is there's one spirit. And the, that one spirit can speak to many, many people the same thing. And so uh, I'm going to share with you uh, something today that I hope will be a blessing to you. How many, how many about a year ago you were 18? And now you're like, you know, 40, 50, 60. Someone said, keep going. 70, 80. Okay, well, we'll oh, we, okay, 80. We got 90. Yeah, all right, now what are you going to be? I can't do that. I'll have to have you come up and do it. Anyway, uh, something I want to share with you before we get to the context of all of this. I was thinking about life and just how quick and fleeting it is. I ordered this shirt because this year is my 45th uh, anniversary of my graduation from high school, 45. I love what my shirt says because it happens to be my birthday month, June. It says, June 1960. I am not 63. I am 18 with 45 years of experience, all right? <laughs> so turn to your neighbor and say, you are a good-looking 18-year-old today. <laughs> That makes all the adults in the room feel good. Tag, you're it. All you that are younger than that, you got to earn 18, all right? But everybody else, tag, you're it. You're, you're 18. So <clears throat> the Word talks about life being a vapor, a vapor. I loaded this thing up. This is a, a machine I use on occasion. I, I have kind of an asthmatic-type situation, and I have to... Uh, breathe some medicine. And so I brought this machine in. By the way, I believe God's going to heal me so I don't ever have to use this again. But for the moment, I do, and here it is. And uh, I don't know. I'm going to turn this thing on, see if we can get it to do its thing. Any other time it really would. There we go. Can you see that? We were, we were talking about putting it up on the screen, but I think you can see it. Everybody see it back in the back? 
We're vaping. Yeah. So can you believe I pastor vaped right in church? <laughs> now I'm on the screen. Well, let's do her again just so, we, just so we can say we put it on the screen, all right? I'm just blowing it out there so you can see it. That's just some medicine that's supposed to go in your lungs. Anyway, did you notice how quickly that dissipates? You puff it out there, and man, it's just gone almost instantly. And that's what James, the half-brother of Jesus, is getting to. He's talking to a church. He's talking to some people who are trying to live with one foot in the kingdom. Oh, he's going to do it. And one foot in the world. Now, you have to live in the world, but the, the Bible says not to be of the world. In other words, we live in the world. We live, move, and have our being here. But we're citizens of another place. And we represent another king than the, than the one in which we land that we live in. We, we represent the king of kings. We represent God. We represent God's goodness. And so when we live with one foot in the kingdom and one foot in the world's kingdom, we can cause great confusion. And we can think that we're doing great things and mighty things, and we can plan out the things that we think uh, we want to do in life. But how many knows that in an instant something in your life can change and totally reset the course of your life, reset the course of where you're headed and what you're doing. And so having thought about that, uh, Pastor Colleen and I kind of mentioned this yesterday. And so I'm going to do a message today called You Are a Vapor. Or if you was to read it off my paper, it's just a U, an R, and an A. It looks like you're a, you're a vapor. So turn to your neighbor and say, you're a vapor. All right, here we go. I'm going to give you a, a quick pass to get you to this scripture because what I brought you to needs some context, okay? So in chapter 1, James is saying, it is a good thing when faith is tested. How many just love to have your faith tested every day? I didn't see any hands. How many knows that when your faith is tested, it can sometimes be grueling? and difficult, and frustrating, and cause great heartache. So in this chapter, he's writing to the church. They're going through some things, and he's telling them, look, this is really a good thing. Understand this, that if you're being tempted, if you're being tested, if, if, if you've, you're being tempted to get off of the pathway of God and to get one foot into the world and try to keep one foot in the kingdom so that you don't totally lose where you're going. He's saying, understand this. If you're being tempted, it is not God who is tempting you. You have a tempter. We find him. He's introduced Early on in the book of Genesis, in the third chapter, the word says that the serpent was more subtle than any creature in the earth. And from him came the satanic, luciferian voice of temptation. And it hangs in the atmosphere 
a fallen archangel of God hanging in the atmosphere with all of the demonic imps that he drug with him. And now they, they saturate the atmosphere around us. Their one job is to get every true believer away from the kingdom or to withhold the world from ever discovering there is a Savior. That is their job. And so he's saying, look, your faith, your faith will be tested, but understand God is not a tempter. He's a teacher. God is a teacher. And though he hasn't restrained the tempter from tempting you, he's giving you all the strength you need to say no. He's given you all the power through Christ Jesus for you to say, la, 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 I can't hear you. Mm. So he is a teacher, and a teacher will allow a test. All my lit students went, amen. They have been tested and tested and tested. Our Heavenly Father will allow a test in your life. Why? Why? Because some people get really frustrated with this whole concept. Well, why is there temptation? Why didn't God just take it out of the way? Because he wants you to love him out of the sovereignty of your heart. He wants you to love him out of your free moral agency. He wants you to run to him because you know he is right. You know he is creator. You know he is good. You know that he is the essence of holiness. He wants you to run unto him as a father would hold his arms out for his child and pick that child up in celebration whenever that child comes to him. That is the... That is is the heart of the Father. And so he will allow tests, but the reason he allows a test to happen in your life is to bring about a deeper maturity in you. When I first started serving the Lord Jesus Christ, I was in one day and out. I don't know if you've ever, I'm, I'm just going to use the little wooden pathway here in the middle of the floor. I was in one day, oh, kumbaya, my Lord, kumbaya. Then I was over here, smoke on the water. So I had all these contrasts going on in my life. One day I'm really loving God. The next moment I'm out here doing my thing. Am I looking cool to my friends? That's where I picked up my first cigarette. Wish to God I'd have never done that because today I have to use the puffing machine. Come on. Come on. I'm just going to be honest with you. And so I spent a lot of time trying to be cool for everybody else when really my heart was saying, get on the path and stay there. Get on the path and stay there. Just get on the path and stay there. But when you're 14 and 15, you think you are cool, and you think you're grown up, and you think you got it all going on, and so you want everyone around you to be in love with you and celebrate you and think you're something. And so sometimes I was on the pathway, sometimes I was not. But what brought me to greater maturity was when I when I would get into the path and more and more I would say no to stepping outside of the path in an area of my life. I would get in and this time I just wouldn't bow. 
There were certain temptations in my life that it took. I would love to tell you I was just a powerhouse. But there were certain temptations in my life that it took me years. To conquer. But I conquered them. I crucified them. And they no longer plague me. I'm going somewhere. Look at your neighbor and say, that fat man's got something to say. So understand this, that a journey in Christ is a progressive path of learning and testing to what you have already learned. So if you're in Christ, understand it starts with baby steps. Is that a baby step? I don't know what a baby No, baby steps are more like this. Because I was watching little Amelia last night, and I bet her bottom met the, the concrete about five or six times just while I was watching her at about a, about a five-minute uh, period there. And so babies fall a lot. Babies fall a lot. But they're learning, see. And they're gaining strength. And each fall, every time they get up, believe it or not, has been a learning curve for them. And they've learned something, and their muscles have gained strength that they didn't have before. And so this progressive journey in Christ, we don't do everything right. So let's get, let's get the religiosity out of our mind. Just get out your eraser. There you go. Good. Good job. Just, just get, that, get that judgmental thing out of your mind and get a supportive heart and get behind somebody and encourage them. I know it's frustrating. Sometimes you're thinking, come on. You've been at this 37 years. Come on. But we all are, are walking out our journey. And some of us grab it like grabbing steak and like we've already got our teeth cut in and we're ready to go. But other folks, it takes a little bit longer. And so sometimes we have to be patient with folks. And so James is teaching them that when you're being tested, it's for your strength because God has ordained a one-time simple confession. But if that simple confession that God ordained has no correlating actions then true faith hasn't even been enacted yet because true faith learns to trust and to act upon the word that has been given. So when your mother says, Johnny, since there's no, John, there's no Johnnies in the room, is there? Yeah, yes, there is. There's a John. All right. All right. Um, Melvin, Melvin, don't touch that. That's hot. Come on, how many? How many of you mamas have had to bandage a burnt finger? <laughs> because it's the first thing you want to do. The first thing human nature wants to do is to try the boundaries of the rules. When law is given, laws are given to set a parameter and a boundary, but laws are the first thing we want to break. Who can say amen to that? 
I'm laying a foundation for you are a vapor. Here we go. So God favors an active doer of the word because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. And once you've heard the truth, come on, get with me now. Once you have heard the truth of God's word, you cannot ignore what you know. You have become accountable to what you have heard. You can't pretend you never heard it. You can't pretend. So when you hear the word of God, take a plan of action and then get busy living out what it is that that instruction was. Don't be like the little child when mommy says, don't do, that you got to push the envelope. When you hear the voice of God say, yes, Lord, I'm ready. But know that when you get on the path and you're going to walk with him in accountability to what you have heard, the enemy's going to come to try to get you to step off the path. He's going to push you. He's going to test you. He's going to berate you. He's going to put people in your pathway to persecute you. He's going to cause sickness, uh, if he could, to come up on your body. He's going to cause things around you to distract you, to get you in a, in a mess. And God's not looking any longer for church couch potatoes. He's looking for doers of the word who will take correlating actions to what the word says because if the word says I'm the head not the tail then why am I living like the tail? It's time for me to show the world that I'm walking after Christ. I am in Christ the way that Christ is in me and where I go he goes and when I represent I represent him and the kingdom that I'm representing is taking ground and taking territory as long as I'll take the correlating actions and allow him to work faith in me. Yeah, come on. Give the Lord a shout. So here's what I want to say. Grow, you Christian couch potatoes. Grow. Chapter 2. I know I got to fly. I really got to fly. Chapter 2 says, show no partiality to no man. Don't get impressed with others. Look at your neighbor and say, I think you're great, but I'm not impressed with you. (laughs) Don't get impressed with others. No one in this life is as impressive as God. Mm. So, What can a man do for you that God cannot or won't? So why do you play up to mankind? Why do you play up to people around you? Why are you trying to get them on your side? Why are you trying to look holy? Why are you, you see what I'm saying. Why are you trying to impress somebody? Huh? There's no reason to impress anybody. You don't have any reason to try to impress somebody. So here's the thing. Stop sinning on purpose. Oh, come on, Tracy. I'll just throw you the mic. You come on. Stop sinning on purpose. Tell your neighbor that. They need to hear it. Now, let me explain to you why. We're not in this thing to impress, but 
The Christ in you will impress people. Come on. The Christ in you will, will impress people. And if you represent the Christ in you in such a way that people can read you like a book, they are going to find something that gives them hope that this can be done. Because if that old boy can do it, surely I can do it. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing. We have to stop sitting on purpose. We're not impressing anybody. So live your life to impress God and God alone. This isn't going to work in every church. That's why they don't let me come speak. Stop playing around with God's reputation. This is what James is writing, the half-brother of Jesus. He watched him crucified. He now understands and knows the message in personal intimacy. He is now the one that all of the apostles come to to set the order for the church of Jesus Christ in Jerusalem. Everyone came to him for the answers of what to do between the Gentile and the Jew. He was the man who set things in order. This is a man who knows what he's talking about and he's telling this church, stop playing around with God's reputation. He doesn't play around with your salvation. He don't play Indian giver with your salvation. He don't say, here, Steve, be saved today, brother. You know what? Not right now. Huh? If you're saved, you're saved to the bone. If you're saved, you're born again. You're a child of the Most High God. The Word says no man. doesn't say no God. It says no man can take you from his hand. The only person who has that right you'll find in Revelation when it talks about your name being blotted from the Lamb's book of life. And if that bothers your theology, we'll talk. You had to be there to have your name removed. I'll leave it with that. But look at this. We got to stop playing around with God's reputation because he's serious about how we finish and he's serious about our representation of him. The world is messing this up in a big way. That's why Matthew, the 25th chapter, puts a dividing line. First, it was between the Jew and the Gentile, but now it's the church of Jesus Christ. Half are in, half are out. We're playing around. We're playing around with all kinds of political agendas. There are some nations you go to, you can't even find a spirit-filled church. And God's through playing. It's time to represent him. Chapter 3. Believe it or not, I haven't lost where I'm going. Chapter 3 says this, your mouth <laughs> and thought life are your greatest enemies in Christianity. Your mouth and thought life are your greatest enemies in Christianity. Your confessions are weak 
if your faith is not correlating with what you know and are responsible for, then your mouth is tearing your world apart, not building it. We're supposed to speak the truth that God speaks over our life, over every circumstance. I don't deny a circumstance. I have to use this puffer machine once in a while when my lungs are tight. But I also know that by his stripes I am healed and I have a right to it and my body's going to line up and when it does, that thing goes in the trash. I will celebrate and do it online just so you can see it. Your mouth and your thought life can be your greatest enemy. Playing on purpose with sin is a deadly game. God gave you grace to overcome sin, not to make excuses for it. So many people will go out and do their own thing, and then they want to attach Christ's name to it and say, it's okay. God knows. Had an old boy who was a preacher of the gospel stand in front of me before I knocked him out. Well, I didn't, but I wanted to. Stood in front of me and said, well, you know, I love my wife, but I have a little gal on the side. God understands. You jerk. Coward. Goofball. No, you're just, you just told God your covenant means nothing. Your covenant means nothing. I signed a covenant with this lady when we got married. I signed a covenant with her in sickness and in health, good times, bad times, prospering or not prospering. She would be my responsibility. I would take care of her. When she got sick, I didn't start going, hmm, need a new model. This one's wearing out. <laughs> Come on. No, I signed a covenant. I signed a covenant. I don't have a, when you come to Christ, you do not, you forfeited, you forfeited your right to live how you want. Oh, that was so half-hearted. You forfeited your right. Stop acting like a jerk. Look at your neighbor and say, stop acting like a jerk. This is not the most popular message, but it's going to get said. Let me explain why. We're not playing a game here. This is not a game. And we're getting too close to the end for us to keep playing some kind of a Christianity game. I'm not perfect. I'm not standing up here saying you have to be perfect. I'm saying I have to get on the path in the covenant with God and hold his word as my standard of living and not step to the left or step to the right as I will, but to follow his word and to follow it to the best of my ability. And where I fail, allow Jesus to help me in my weakness to stay on the path and not go left or right. Mm -hmm. 
as Pastor Colleen just added to my message, his word has to be our truth, not our truth. Don't you get sick and tired? Well, my truth, I have heard that from some of these, oh, I'm just, golly, I'm, what's going on, Jesus? Some of these limp-wristed social crybabies that cry over everything comes along. I want to be a dog. Celebrate, man. <laughs> Come on. I know it's not popular. I know I'll get rocks thrown at me. I know. It's mental illness. Let's just be honest. You're so full of yourself, you're mentally ill. You need to get you out of the way and let Jesus come in and straighten you back out and become either the male or female God created you to be. Wow, you get that for free. I just added that in. Wasn't even in my message. Don't look at your watch. Stop it. We have to follow God's truth because whom the Son, you can finish that, whom the Son sets free is free. It isn't whom the Son sets free is still bound a little bit. No, if I'm bound a little bit, it's because I tied me back up. I tied me back up with the world. I allowed my thought processes to go back to the past and tie me back up again where once I was free, but whom the sun sets free, woohoo, is free. I have no problem staying on the path because I've been with him long enough to know that when I continue to tie myself up, it only makes my life worse. It makes it unmanageable. It makes me miserable. I don't like me with sin in my life. I don't like me when I'm acting contrary to the word, even for a split second. You never do this. You're holy. God bless you. Tag, you're it. You're the apple of God's eye. You're so wonderful. Y'all know I'm being facetious. But as lovely as this lady is, sometimes we don't agree. <laughs> even yesterday, I won't go into great detail, but even yesterday, I'm taking her out for a drive. She hasn't been out. She wants to feel good. We're driving through the country. Pastor Colleen and I will just be open with you. We're, we're looking for some land. We want to we build a home on some land. We found 15 acres. Pray for us. We're trying to figure out some creative way to get the down payment, but you pray for us. We, we're, we're out looking and getting some ideas on some land, and there's a, there's a property line marker and we're going, we're, we're just arguing over the property line marker and where it should be. And we're driving up the road looking at the property line marker. She goes, now you see, it's, we're not even with it yet. In my mind, we're even with the property line marker, perfectly even. I'm looking out across. My vision is straight. If I had a laser string, it would, boom, it'd be right on. She goes, no, it's, it's up there. I'm telling you, you're wrong. It's up here. I said, no, it's not. She said, yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. So then I went, no, it's not. She goes, yes, it is. 
So I drive the car. She goes, see? <laughs> I'm not perfect. It, it looked the same. You couldn't tell. Yes, you could. Yes, you could. <laughs> but here's, here's the point. We're not perfect. And I'm not preaching you have to be perfect. What I'm preaching is whom the Son sets free has the ability to keep you that way. And you don't have to live a life of practiced sin. Maybe a momentary slip. Maybe you messed up caught yourself, but you repent, you walk back to where you know the path is. But to live there day after day after day, or to choose to do something that's contrary to the word, and you're going to carry it out regardless of what anybody else thinks, you're in trouble. So that brings me to chapter four. <laughs> we finally made it. So in this chapter, he's saying, listen, based upon everything that's been said, you think you control your life, and so you're always making these big plans. But you do not hold the power of tomorrow. You can boast all you want today, but you cannot tell me what the outcome of tomorrow will be, no matter how prophetic you are. That is in the hands of God. And God does have your future. But your life is like the little demonstration that I made. Oh boy, she's got, okay, what do we say here? Thank you. Let's, uh, Hebrews, the 10th chapter, 26th verse. For if we go on willfully and deliberately sinning after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice to atone for our sins. That is, no further offering to anticipate. Deliberate sin is a willful act. Deliberate, deliberate sin is an act in your mind that says, I'm going to do it come hell or high water. It's my way. I don't care what God says. That's what brought us to this. Your life is a vapor. It's just a puff of smoke, and you're going to say, I'm going to do it my way, God. I'm going to do it my way. You're here, and poof, you're gone. But I'm going to do it my way. Do you know what a vapor is? What was that? Somebody said something? Someone who vapes? Well, that's a new thing. What is a vapor? A vapor is simply a very, very short-lived disturbance in the atmosphere. A very short-lived disturbance in the atmosphere. Here today, and poof, you're gone. And what are you doing with your flesh? Not your flesh. What are you doing with your flash? I'm here. I'm gone. 
45 years ago, I graduated high school. I still feel in my mind and heart like I'm 18. And yet it's been 45 years. I'm 63 in a few more days. And I just got started. And I'm living to the place now where I understand, Steve, you understand, Larry, you understand. We're living in a place now where we can see that the greatest portion of our life was behind us. We don't know what we have left, and we have a small amount of time to make it count. Are you with me? So here's what I want to know. Are you a positive influence for God to others with your puff of time? Or are you a negative discharge to others? Leaving Christ questionable in the hearts and the minds of people that your vapor influences. How do we want our flash of time to be remembered? Do we want our friends to be influenced by Christ in us? The Savior, the Holy One who cleanses and sets free and heals, or by the one we drag into the bar, the drug house, the bed of fornication, the dating apps of the adulteress, the perverse pornographer of shame, the disgusting pedophile that's waiting to abuse. Are we dragging Jesus in front of our neighbors as though it's a freak show of unbridled junk? Do your neighbors secretly go, well, he says he goes to church, but I've watched him. Is this too hard? I'm almost done. I'm, I'm, I'm frying chicken up in here. I can smell the flesh burning. Are we dragging our neighbors to the freak show of the unbridled tongue of murder and slander and malicious gossip and the foul-mouthed jest jesting of our jokes? Are we allowing our eyes to feast at the table of Hollywood's latest serving of immorality, suggestive seduction while slandering the name of our God? What am I really asking? Well, what I'm really asking is, what are you doing with your vapor? What are you doing with the brief amount of time that we've been given? Are we just wasting time and not really doing anything bad, but not really being productive either? There's a lot of Christians caught in that one. I'm in, but... I go to church. I'm not involved, but I'm, I go. I go. I don't tell anybody, but I go. Y'all are ready for me to quit this, aren't you? So what are you doing with that brief amount of time? Are we more concerned with the everyday mundane than with God? And when our time is up, will we have made an impact or will we have to admit we really didn't make 
any difference at all. There are great men and women of God that we still quote their name. We still read their writings. We still watch videos and read books about them and about their exploits. My lit students learned of some of those people. There's many of them. They turned their world upside down with the cause of Christ and the knowledge of his word. Because when they heard his word, they took it serious and made themselves accountable to what they had heard. And their vapor and their flash in the pan, not perfect. None of them walked perfect. Some of them were marred by the end of their life with this or that somewhere along their walk with God. But they kept themselves in faith on the path with God, not being drawn away from him, not dying in shame. And today we still talk about their puff. Today we still talk about that brief appearance that they made. Think about the life of Christ. We don't really know exactly how old Jesus was when he was on the earth. We just assume 30 to 33 because you had to be 30 to start a ministry. And Jesus started his ministry in the Bible. We assume he was 30. Let's just assume he was 30 to 33 when he passed from this life. In 30 years, he turned the world upside down. I don't expect to do something as big as Jesus, even though the Bible says, you know, we can do greater things. But what I do expect is that I leave behind at least one person who says, that guy touched me. His life made a difference in my life. How many of you, that is your desire today? Amen. Yeah, you can give the Lord a hand. That's fine. That's fine. I tried my best. I apologize. We're 15 minutes over. Everybody stretch. Father, I thank you for these under the sound of my voice. God, we didn't come in here to be cute. We didn't come in here to play a game. Father, Passion Church doesn't have time for that. There's a world that's lost and a zone that needs to be reached. Father, we're, we're living, Father, in a region that you have called according to your purpose. And each of us, Father, have a brief appearance on the stage of life to make a difference. And we don't want to dilly-dally around for 30 and 40 and 50 and 60 years, Father, and look back and, and see that we've really not gained any ground and we've really not helped anyone along the way. I don't want to arrive in the kingdom just inside the gate and hear, here, you made it. I want to hear, Father... Well done. You reached as many as you could reach in this life. Father, that's all of our heart in this room. But in order for us to do that, we got to put away the nonsense. And we got to stop making excuses for ungodly actions and get serious about who we are, where we are, and who we represent. So having put away all the pretense and the silliness Father, we just get serious with you right now. And we say, search me, O God. Search me, O God. Maestro, if you could give me just a little music, something nice and soft back there. 
Well, I got maestro coming to the stage. I'm sorry. If you're here today and what I said hit home and it brought a conviction, not a condemnation. I'm not here to bring condemnation. But it brought a conviction on your heart. I can do more. If that's you, would you just signify by a lifted hand, I could do more. Thank you. That's honest. Now that's honest. That's honest all over the house. That's honest. That's honest. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I could do more. I want to do more. If you raised your hand, I'm not, I'm not making any declarations or statements of where you are in Christ. But if you raised your hand and you say, I want to be more, I would be derelict. I know there's other things that are important today, but I'd be derelict if I did not follow through with this moment. If you raised your hand, just come real quickly. Just come. And I need some lit students. It's your last act as a lit student to come and help me to pray for these that have raised their hand. They need a touch. They need a tenderness. It doesn't make us sinful. It doesn't make us sinners. It just means I know I could do better. Father, I pray for these under the sound of my voice across this auditorium, Lord. God, if I'm honest, my hand is up too. I can do better, and I'm going to do better. It is my resolve, God, to walk with you all the days of my life, to make my witness count, to put away the things that draw me away from you, and to get laser-focused on your truth. I vow today to not be distracted by the world around me or to get pulled into the opinions of people that are ungodly or far from the canon of your truth, but to ascribe to your truth and your truth alone for all the days of my life. I surrender to you. That my life won't just be a brief puff of smoke and I'm here and I'm gone and no one remembers anything that I did that had any lasting effect. No. The Word says if I lift up Christ, then all men will be drawn to Him. I want to be a lamplighter like the five wise virgins in Matthew, the 25th chapter. While the others slumbered and slept and played a game and a religious game, they were held outside of the marriage supper. But the five, they were wise. They shone the light that wasn't their light. It was the light of Christ. And they took that light and they lit the way, all the way to the banquet table of God where true fellowship and true salvation happens. So God, make us lamplighters today. 
I thank you, Father. I thank you. I need to turn some of my prayer warriors loose. I want you to just find somebody. Just pray with them just briefly. It don't have to be a long, drawn-out thing. But if I could get my, and just we'll just make our way down. Any other prayer warriors that I have who would like to come and help me just to pray, just real quickly. We just want to give these people an opportunity to share if it's on their heart or they need agreement with something about any spot in their life, Father. Today's the day. Come on around. I need a couple more. Pastor Steve, would you mind? Amy Joe, would you come? Yeah. Yes. Pastor, uh, uh, I said Pastor. Phil and Karen, would you guys come? Would you come and pray? Can you physically come and pray if you would? Miss Terry, would you come and, and help me? Bring Mr. Roger with you. He can, he can help us today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. No, you're fine. Thank you, Father. Thank you. There's some folks I know down this direction. I got some folks down this way. I got some folks down that way. Yeah. Have you been prayed for, sweetheart? Has someone prayed with you? No? Pastor, I know you're tired. Would you pray with Miss Lisa? Yes. Father, I thank you for these. Today, we thank you, Lord, for these genuine hearts. Most of these people, Father, the, I've, I know their faces. They've already said yes to you. It's not even a question of that. But today it's just a rededication to make sure my life leaves an impact before it's too late. Father, I thank you. Grant every heart and every request and every need right now, Father, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father.